our next episode of the Odd Fellows Oddcast and joining us today in talking about the differences between the Masons and the Odd Fellows is my friend Eddie LeBuff, who is uh, from Louisiana. He's actually from New Orleans. And uh, he is the Deputy Grandmaster of the uh, Odd Fellows District there in Louisiana. And also my friend Sully, who is from uh, Washington, DC. And he's, he's guy's got some really good spices that he sells, just so that you know. I've actually tried them. They're really fantastic. I just thought I'd throw that in. Better than Louisiana? I just don't know. I mean, come on. I'm from, from well, Louisiana here. <laughs> now, if you if you actually sold some, I would be very happy to try them because I am a hot sauce fanatic. So, you know, that's one of those things that I take very seriously. You got something, I want to try it. So, um, and when I come visit uh, New Orleans, I will absolutely uh, let you take me around at some place with some hot oh, sauce. Oh, yeah. Stuff, yeah, brother LaBeouf, if if you've got some uh, some hookups there with the, the hot sauce industry in Louisiana, let me know because I'd love to sell some stuff direct from there. Oh, fantastic! Okay. All right, maybe make that happen. We could have a whole food episode here. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So um, I would like you to you know introduce yourself a little bit and you know just say something about your involvement with the Odd Fellows and also the Masons, so that people have an idea of who it is that uh, is answering these questions, which I have because I am not a Mason. I have friends who are Masons, uh, but uh, I'm not, and so I don't know uh, really enough about it to be someone answering questions. So please go ahead. Uh, Eddie, you want to shoot first? Um, sure. So since this is um, a, an odd fellow slash Masonic episode, I'll go through as quickly as I can some of my various offices and, and stuff. I am a past master level lodge number 373. And uh, I'm active in what we call the Scottish Rite and the York Rite. Uh, in the Scottish Rite, I'm uh, what's called a 32nd degree Knight Commander of the Court of Honor. It's a distinction between the 32nd and the 33rd. However, it is not a degree nor a half a degree. I'm on the degree team and I'm the one that says that. Uh, and I said degree team, but it's a conferral investiture team, I should say. Um, so it's in between, while it's not a degree or half a degree, it is a prerequisite in the Southern jurisdiction to receive the 33rd, or else you can't even be considered for it, um, which is an honorary degree. Um, in the Valley of New Orleans, uh, the Scottish Rite, I have served as um, past commander of Kadash and past master of Kadash. And this year I'm going in as venerable master of the Lodge of Perfection, which is the 14th degree. Uh, it, sounds, uh, it sounds weird, but we do all our business in the 14th degree in the Valley. Mm. Um, so this year I will be leading the Valley of New Orleans. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm also active in New York Rite. Um, I'm, have a, I'm a, Knight York Cross of Honor, which means I um, served as a past master, a past high priest of a chapter of Royal Arch Masons, past illustrious master of cryptic Masons, and a past uh, eminent commander of a commandery of Knights uh, Templars. Hmm. And I served the Grand Chapter several times, and we can talk more about this later. The, 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 these bodies are like what the encampment is in Oddfellows. Um, I'm currently the Grand King of the Grand Chapter of Royal Arch Masons. And this year coming, if the chapter, the Grand Chapter is willing, I will be the Grand High Priest of Louisiana Royal Arch Masons. Um, and another big thing I'm doing this year is I was just uh, elected Worshipful Master of Etoile Polaire Lodge Number no. 1 in New Orleans. Chartered in 1794. Yes, Polar Star, exactly. North Star, yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. And, oh, yeah, I'm um, sorry. Yeah, Polar Star, right. Well, it, but it, it's the, the Polar same, Star right? is the North Star. Yeah. So, yes, it, it, it jobs out to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's a 226-year-old lodge. It was chartered in 1794. There is another lodge. It's slightly older than us, Perfect Union, number one. And they are not always very enthusiastic that we have the number one as well as them. In fact, I think in the computer, they're listed as zero, but their dues card says number one. And I think if they had their way, we would not be number one, but it is what it is. It was like there when I got there. But, um, and uh, Etoile Polaire is uh, a Scottish Rite Lodge uh, in the first three degrees. This is a very rare thing um, in, in Freemasonry. Louisiana is one of the only states that has lodges that work the Scottish Rite rituals in the symbolic lodge, which is the first three degrees. Etoile Polaire is one of the 10 lodges. I hear there's one in New York and one in Hawaii and maybe one in California, but like literally I hear like it's one per these states. We have 10 of them. It's the famous 16th Masonic District. And I joined Oddfellows because I didn't want to see it die. The Uh. problem is I fell in love with Oddfellows Rest and any of your listeners who are familiar with um, the public relations group you have on um, uh, Facebook, Mm -hmm. you have the plaque of the Southwestern tomb, uh, which is formerly the Teutonia tomb, uh, as at least it was the cover of that group. Is that the same cover? Have you changed it? Um, yeah, I, I, I believe that. Did it you know it came one? from our cemetery? It, I certainly do. And I'm actually yeah. <laughs> so much in love with that particular piece of, you know, bass relief. Um, I, uh, I, I'm actually going to share it because as we talk about the symbols, it's a perfect uh, template, you know, it's emblematic. So obviously yeah. it's a good example for us to talk about. So I, I, I wanted to see Oddfellows Rest grow and develop, and I wanted to see um, Oddfellows not disappear from uh, New Orleans or from Louisiana, because it was holding on by a thread in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, now, an interesting side note is the oldest Oddfellows Lodge in Louisiana was Louisiana Number 1, and it met at Etoile Polaire in the same building and some of their stuff is still there we still have their old widows and orphans box it has their name on it Hmm. and a wildly encampment number one has their ballot box still there with all these are defunct they're gone um Hmm. so i started this mission to bring odd fellows back to new orleans and with some help of a lot of people we got it done and now we instituted crescent city number 73 uh and we're going strong And uh, for whatever reason, um, I was put in the grand line, uh, maybe because of my enthusiasm. And they knew I also had other leadership stuff I do. So um, anyway, uh, I think that's it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, you know, here's the interesting thing. You know, I I watched this YouTube video of these guys who are Masons talking about Oddfellows. And, you know, I thought to myself, and I'll put a link to it just because it's, it's a really good video. It's, it had a lot of views. And, you know, I thought to myself, this is really from a Mason's point of view. Guys who are odd fellows look at this and they go, what, like, I, I am listening to what you're saying. I'm like, wow, man, it sounds like you do a lot of stuff, but I've got no clue what you're talking about. And it's because the terminology of the different things that you're talking about, whenever you say 32nd degree or, you know, 33rd degree, and, you know, you talk about a degree, you know, team, that sort of thing. It's like, okay, well, these are familiar terms, but my understanding is they're 
they don't really mean the same thing, right? So maybe it depends. Right. So that's the problem. You know, if you were in Masons, you would know. Uh, so I'm going to turn to Sully real quick and, and ask him. Now, look, this is not a, a competition. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I, I think that Eddie, you know, may have been involved longer or something. I, I don't know. You know, maybe you're maybe you've got an even longer list of credentials. So go right. Yeah, ahead. I'm, a, I'm a 999th degree Mason. And, <laughs> oh, really? uh, I'm, a, I'm a past grandmaster of the Illuminati. So uh, I, <laughs> I outrank him. You know, he, obviously, his, his credentials are uh, incredible. But uh, interesting thing I can say, I'm, I'm um, uh, I am currently a junior warden of a uh, DC Masonic Lodge. Um, and uh, I actually joined, uh, I have a very interesting Masonic story um, uh, journey. So actually that, it was, so joining a Mason Lodge was how I got into the Odd Fellows. Hmm. And, uh, and uh, after I joined that lodge, uh, I started reading uh, 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 Albert Pike and uh, was fascinated by it, uh, read the entire Morals and Dogma, um, and uh, uh, all 600 and some pages. Um, and then I was, I was a little dissatisfied with the lodge I was in. So I, uh, I, I, I spread out, I joined uh, the Odd Fellows and I joined the Knights of Pythias. Because um, mm. I joined the Odd Fellows because we were meeting in an Odd Fellows Hall. Um, and then I, I joined uh, the Knights of Pythias because of uh, uh, um, our grandmaster in DC at the time was Michelle Vidlock. And, uh, and she is a legacy Knights of Pythias affiliate, uh, thanks to her father, um, who, uh, Al, Al Saltzman, who was the, uh, uh, for like 20 years, was the guy running, running the Knights of Pythias uh, as the, uh, as the uh, uh, the supreme secretary, so um, so uh, I uh, Dan Vidlock and Michelle Vidlock got me to the Knights of Pythias, and then kind of went full circle because I was like, you know what, I've I've demitted from that other Masonic situation. I'll see if a uh, if if a regular Masonic lodge will have me because. It, you know, if you want to become a, a 99th degree Mason, you mm -hmm. can. <laughs> and this and masons will just go okay yeah you're one of those okay so um and that's an option there's there's people out there and, and uh, there's they'll they'll find people from all around the world so i mean if 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 it, it is what you want if you just want to hang out and talk with people about stuff you can join any kind of lodge and there's all sorts of lodges out there but if you just want to join a regular lodge <laughs> And that that meaning that the word regular there has a lot of meanings. Uh, and if you just want to join a regular one, that's not going to try to fly you to Romania to get a, a, a rite of misrum and Memphis degree. Mm -hmm. um, then uh, then yeah, you want to you want to find a one that's in in the Tyler's book uh, and can uh, can can hook you up with uh, just the right people. Um, and so uh, I joined that. Joined regular masonry and uh, and uh, about five years ago, and and now I'm uh, I'm on my way to being a worshipful master. Uh, okay. So well, that's awesome. Yeah. 
but in, and it was really inspired by, you know, my, my whole journey was inspired by Albert Pike uh, because he, um, his, his writings were incredible. And then to find out, you know, joining the Odd Oddfellows, um, uh, joining a, a regular Oddfellows Lodge that met, you know, that also had a irregular Masonic Lodge attached to it uh, kind of fascinated me because I, I actually became more interested in the Oddfellows because I thought that was my real connection to Pike now was the Oddfellows because he was a, he was a, he was an Oddfellow back in, you know, back in the day. And, uh, and, and I was, I was really curious to know how much, because if you've read Morals and Dogma, it's, it's incredibly progressive, especially for the 1800s. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, uh, mind-blowing you know mind-blowing stuff he's very very pro freedom of speech pro civil rights pro human rights um and uh uh and specifically the kind of speech that we were talking about before the podcast uh the uh we were talking about my shirt the the slants here who who uh had to fight for their name all the way up to the supreme court um and uh and you know 150 years ago or or 180 years ago he was writing about stuff like that like saying like freedom of speech is that important uh and and breaking it down from a legal philosophical perspective about why freedom of speech is something that must be defended and as a mm -hmm. freemason you should defend it um uh the uh elude de la Neuf, uh section of morals and dogma um incredible read um, okay and uh uh, but yeah, that's that's really what pushed me further into Freemasonry was wanting to uh, wanting to uh, learn the motivations of of uh, just one of the most eloquent uh, writers, uh, leaders, uh, compilers of other people's great writing uh, mm -hmm. of all time, Albert Pike. Well, um, another mouthful that was really a lot. You know, um, but, you know, unfortunately for for people who are, you know, like I said, they're they're odd fellows won't completely grasp everything that you're you're saying either. But I think that we should kind of back things up even a little further than that. So uh, one of the things that we absolutely have in common between Masons and odd fellows is that, you know, we were part of the, you know, golden age of fraternity. You know, there was a time, and historians will, you know, have, have said this, that in the United States, uh, because it was mostly men who were in, you know, fraternities, uh, you know, somewhere be between two and four out of every 10 men, and they don't know the exact numbers because there's some overlap, you know, you were either one or more uh, different fraternities, uh, like, you know, yourself, Sully, you're in not just uh, odd fellows and Masons, you're also in another one. And I think that the the thing that we all have in common is the whole brotherhood part of it. It's like, you know, seeing your neighbor as family and, you know, being there for them, which is a lot of, based on a lot of the tenets of Odd Fellows. Now, I would imagine that those are also similar to the tenets of masonry. Now, I'm going to have to put that into your, you know, ball court and, and have you answer the question. Uh, but you know, um, I'd like to kind of start going through some of the different common threads that we have before we really dive into like some of the big uh, differences or well, more subtle differences. One of the really big differences is from what I understand, um, Oddfellows have embraced the idea of having women in their lodges. 
and my understanding is that Masons haven't uh, completely embraced that and that there's a percentage of lodges that they allow women while there's still a large percentage that don't. Is that correct? Uh, oh, okay. I, 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 yeah. So yeah, I'll please, <laughs> first of all, go ahead. Okay, go well, ahead. Okay, so, um, and, and, and Sully touched on this, the whole idea of regular Freemasonry is, I, I think it's kind of relative depending on what lodge you're coming from. However, um, what we call regular Freemasonry is part of um, a book, uh, like the, the Tyler's book that has a list of lodges. And it's kind of funny, and, and Krista Hodat talks about this really good in Freemasons for Dummies, how all this recognition is a really complicated system of which Grand Lodges recognize which Grand Lodges in Masonry. Mm -hmm. And collectively, we tend to call that regular Freemasonry while you have um, um, a Prince Hall Freemasonry, which is primary, primarily composed of African-Americans, not entirely, uh, just like regular Freemasonry is not composed primarily of, of other, because we do have all races in Louisiana and several other regular, what we call regular lodges have different races as well. Um, the, the barriers is breaking down. What confuses some people is, is that Technically, it's a separate, or it's a different organization. Yes, we have the same symbols. The rituals are probably the same. Uh, it even gets deeper in Louisiana. We have something called the Supreme Council of Scottish Rite, which is of Louisiana, Supreme Scot the Supreme Council of Louisiana, which is also primarily African-American. Um, and where I do hope for a day where all these bodies are gonna recognize each other. In some states, Prince Hall has been recognized. But each state has its own Grand Lodge, and they have to come together and meet. Mm. So regular Freemasonry um, gets to be kind of a relative term. Now, primarily what you're talking about is lodges that accept women. I think the largest one would be what's called Ledroit Humane, uh, if I'm saying it right. Uh, Sully, do you have any? They are uh, co-Masonry, co-Freemasonry, so Ledroit Humane. Is that out of France? I think okay. it's out of France, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. So I'm guessing it's Le Droit Humain. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm even with, almost LeBuff, I, I mean, I can speak it. <laughs> um, yeah, I've actually yeah. seen that website, um, you know, the, the, uh, the one that's based out of uh, Paris, if I remember correctly. It's a beautiful website. It's got a lot of really great stuff about Masons. And I was shocked to see, like, the leader of it is a woman. I'm like, wow, that's progressive. And then, you know, I, and then I started hearing, like, how women aren't allowed in, you know, regular uh, lodges. And, you know, somebody explained it to me. It's like, oh, yeah, well, it's kind of like progressive versus, you know, um, conservative, you know. It's, it's, like, well, it's almost unheard of in the United States. I mm -hmm. think they might have established one co-Masonic lodge or two. I, I don't know how this is in front of me, but it's super rare um, in the United States that I know of. And I would almost be careful if someone were to claim to have a lodge um, because there was kind of a scam going on a while back where uh, I think it was called Universal Freemasonry. At least to me, it's a scam because I'm in regular Freemasonry. Maybe they were great. Maybe they were awesome. I don't know. I didn't have nothing to do with them. But I believe they were selling initiations through the Internet where you just pay a fee and you, you, they just bless you a, a Mason or something. Wow. Then again, I don't know. Maybe they huh. weren't. So, um, well, go ahead. Seth. Yeah. Seth. Um, this is one of those things where I, I feel like clandestiny 
historically has had a very interesting place in Freemasonry. And now clandestine obviously means hidden or secret, mm -hmm. yeah. but it, but colloquially in Freemasonry, it's a term for an unrecognized lodge. Um, yeah. So, you know, basically uh, in an odd fellows terms, it'd be, it'd be like, uh, uh, so my, you know, my son can't join the the odd fellows for another what 15 you know 15 and a half years right it's 16 you have to be to join so yeah, yeah yes. could, so so if i said well we're starting the 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 sully lodge of odd fellows where a three-year-old can join and now so in in two and a half years my baby boy will become the the uh the vice grand of mm. of sully lodge number and then i could even you know number seven you know okay. so and of of uh washington dc now people will be like well where where's this lodge from again and i'd be like well it's from the 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 grand uh oriental uh uh lodge of washington dc that's that's the, that's our grand lodge we're from the grand oriental lodge of washington dc that's that's how we got our dispensation and I could have it all, I could print, I could order online. I could go to Fiverr and have somebody print up a, a thing for me saying, this is, mm -hmm. this is the, the grand oriental odd fellows of Washington DC. And, and here's his dispensation. And uh, yeah, it's uh, that, that sort of stuff happens. And, uh, but that, that would be an irregular lodge. That'd be an irregular odd fellows lodge. It's not recognized by, any Oddfellow Lodge, no Grand United Order, no uh, no IOF, nobody recognizes it. It's just, you know, me well, spilling all the beans about the Oddfellows to my three-year-old mm -hmm. son in two, two and a half years. Um, and that's that, that sort of stuff happens in Freemasonry. It's happened in Freemasonry throughout history. And there's an amazing story from the Civil War where, uh, where uh, Fenians, the Irish mercenaries, were going around doing sabotage. They're you know they're burning down uh, encampments and stuff uh, on behalf of the uh, I I can't remember which side it was. The, the Fenians worked worked for whoever paid them. So uh, it uh, so it's they were mercenaries. Really, yeah, they were mercenaries. Yeah. And uh, and you know these are these are Irish immigrants who barely spoke English. Um, and uh, uh, they caught this twelve year old boy. Uh, the Union soldiers, they caught this 12-year-old boy who was lighting encampment stuff on fire, uh, and uh, uh, military camps mm -hmm. on fire. And uh, so they grab him, they put him on the firing line, they're going to shoot him. And then the sister comes running in, she's about 14 or 15. She comes running in and does the, hey, how you doing? I'm having a bad time sign of a Freemason. Mm. and then she says hey how you doing i'm having a bad time as a freemason i of course i'm substituting all the words and stuff right 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 the story was told to me in lodge so uh they were able to say all the stuff but okay. uh uh they then uh they then a couple of the officers were freemasons so they grab her and they pull her aside and she knew everything mm. she knew all those stuff and once again this is just a fenian mercenary female mm -hmm. somehow knew all the secrets of freemasonry and was able to negotiate her brother's release and they were able to run off into the woods uh and uh, never be seen or heard from again and that information saved her brother's life but how did she get it 
and she got it because she was clandestine. She was a clandestinely made Mason. Uh, and that's that, like I said, there's, there's some value to that uh, historically, because if nothing else, just to give us that WTF story from the Civil War to say, well, <laughs> what was that about? But, um, uh, but yeah, so she was clandestinely made. Uh, women are not supposed to be made uh, Freemasons, especially a very young girl. She's not supposed to have all the secrets, but she had that information and she was able to save her her family's life there uh interesting stuff but um when it comes to modern women being involved in freemasonry uh, I, i'm really not it, you you two are both more familiar with the external side of it uh i've only seen the internal conflict here in dc where there there are uh people pushing for it you know and i i to be honest i I would not want to subject a woman <laughs> to our meetings and all the all the the busyness that goes along with it. I can't imagine that that a woman is watching us, you know, wear our uh, aprons and file into a meeting and be like, ah, oh, that boys' club. I really want to get in there. But um, y- you know, if there if there really is a draw for that, if there's um, women that want to join. Um, I well, you know, I, it's, it's I think a, you've got some good points. Point. Yeah, know, it's, I mean, yeah. why would you know a woman necessarily want to join an organization that's all men? But you know, uh, sometimes that's exactly you know what it is that some people want to do. They want to break the glass ceiling, and you know, if somebody really wants to do that, well, then you know, if they're given the opportunity, you know, they certainly, if, if they you know, are willing to do it the way that it's been done by the men, then, you know, all the more power to them. Uh, but I just wanted to draw the distinction between how it is that odd fellows, you know, have embraced, you know, women joining their lodges since about 20 years ago. And the Masons obviously still haven't quite decided to open up the doors your point, Sully, being very well taken that they may not really want to if they knew everything that was in store. Uh, I've heard that about the Amos uh, side degrees, you know, that some people, you know, their opinion is it's kind of like a lot of, you know, you know, grab assery, you know, it's like kind of pranks and stuff like that. And it's like, well, a a woman probably wouldn't want to be put through those sort of things as initiation. It's like the sort of hazing is a little, you know, dicey and the woman may not want to do that if she has the kind of dignity that you you would expect. I'd say, I'd say we, we don't, we don't, it's not hazing. We Mm -hmm. don't, we don't haze in Amos. And I, I would like to apologize if anybody's watching this or listening to this and they're familiar with Amos, uh, uh, the historic Mithras 100 Sanctorum is not dead, and uh, but uh, but uh, uh, Grand Monarchus, uh, well, actually, uh, uh, Supreme Vizier uh, Walterman and uh, myself uh, are, are we just this has been a rough year for us, so so uh, we, we have an Amos in DC here, but we uh. It's been a little neglected thanks to 2020, and that's I, I'm really ashamed to say that. But we're we're getting stuff back on track. So well, that's to good. Everyone, to no. everyone we let down, uh, or I've let down, uh, apologies, and things are getting back on track. But yes, you you are correct. Uh, there is a lot of uh, 
fun stuff that I couldn't imagine being wildly unisex. Um, and uh, uh, on top of that, too, it, you're you're dealing with an issue uh, of all right. Two main points. One is the effect <laughs> on female auxiliary bodies uh-huh. uh which is nothing but negative so like basically if if uh, and then the other the other point would be not a human rights issue to exclude someone from something fun um okay so so so, well, so I, the I, first point let me restate your, oh, your ahead, point please. on that because uh, i understand what you're saying one of the reasons that people cited that odd fellows uh, as a men's organization that didn't allow women, started allowing women in is because their numbers had been decreasing so significantly that there were lodges that were closing left and right because they didn't have that fifth person. And so, well, if you have women who are in the Rebecca's organization who are willing to join the Odd Fellows Lodge, then it will help to bolster those numbers for those really small lodges. So it was kind of like a self-preservation thing that they did that. But there wasn't really anything that the men were doing in Odd Fellowship that would really be offensive to women anyway, which is very different than, say, the Amos, which, by the way, is the ancient um, mystical, mystical order, of the order, order of Samaritans, right? Okay, thanks. And um, just for those who have no idea what we're talking about as far as Odd Fellows or Masons or Amos or anything like that goes, um, we were talking before about how there were a ton of different, uh, um, sorry, there were a lot of people that were in fraternities and a lot of them were in different fraternities. We haven't even begun to cover the different number of odd fellows organizations that were in the United States of which there are primarily two left. One is primarily African-American one, the uh, Grand United uh, Order of Odd Fellows. Um, I think I said that right. And the other one is the regular odd fellows, which um, those two organizations are kind of it, but there used to be more. As a matter of fact, some In, of independent groups, order of odd fellows. Independent think, order uh, of odd fellows. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you for pointing that yeah. out. But yeah, there used to be other orders of odd fellows in the United States, and these all originated uh, in England uh, during a time when the country turned to these things that they would call box clubs, which were just people that were in a neighborhood and they would get together and they would support each other by putting money into a box to help somebody if they were in need. And so it kind of became a big social thing uh, to, um, uh, instead of relying on the king or the queen, uh, they could kind of turn to each other in times of need. And so it was a really good thing in, in, in general because it was a very Christian uh, thing to do. Uh, to count on your neighbors and to love them and care about them. So uh, can I make a point about the, uh, please uh, on the women's. Okay. So uh, you kind of hit where I was going to go with it. Um, I think it was a preservation thing for odd fellows. I wasn't there 20 years ago. I don't know for sure mm -hmm. when that happened, but I'm assuming that's what it is. And uh, given that we're still having trouble with, with uh, membership, I would have to say, despite the fact that we have women in, uh, I would say that um, it was probably worse then. And I do believe that as long as what we call regular Freemasonry is not suffering that bad, I don't think it's going to ever be on the table, but that's just one person's opinion. And then again, we might have good membership and a ground swelling of support might come up and want to put on the table. And if, if that happens, it happens. Um, I go with the will of the majority. 
Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Um, so with a, a real quick statement, I wanted to say the effect that letting women in the organization um, had on odd fellows was, uh, was uh, a, basically a dramatic, uh, so you have a decline of, you know, like, uh, so radio comes out and people start listening to the radio more and then, and not going to meetings. And then uh, TV comes out and people really start staying home and not going to meetings. So the golden age starts to fade. Color TV comes out and boom, we're down here. Uh, so everything keeps sort of going technology. The more technology becomes more invasive and in our lives and interactive and fun. Now you got video games. So we're here where, you know, one of the Knights Pythias Lodges I'm involved in brought in 1,100 people in one night. Uh, oh. And uh, and now we're at this point here where, uh, you know, pornography is legal. Uh, <laughs> there's... Uh, there's uh, cures for every disease known to man and uh, video games exist and uh, football is on TV and all this. So here we, we, we make quorum and we keep the charter alive. So that's all we can really hope for. And um, uh, the, so when you have this going on, you have these thought processes where it's like, oh, we've got this decline. Uh, let's bring the women in and that will make us, that'll fix it. Then we'll go like this, you know, we'll get bigger. We really, and all it really does is the decline continues and now you've stolen the Rebecca's. Now, no woman, now my, you know, my wife is an oddfellow. She, she joined the oddfellows with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, she feels no, no urge, no need to join the Rebecca's. Like it's not, it's not a thing for her. She's not thinking, oh, I, I, well, I feel like the Rebecca's. Like, like, or to be some star, it turns into kind of a half experience. I mean, because the guys can join it too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in Eastern Star, uh, you have the worthy matron runs the chapter of Eastern Star, but there's a worthy patron that sits right next to her the whole time. And it, to, to me, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like a not an independent thing uh, for them. Now, Rebecca's, I, I did join, I've never been to a meeting. Uh, I joined Mississippi, so I really don't know much about it other than I went through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It, it seems like it's a half experience. And I don't blame the women for wanting the full experience and joining right. Oddfellows. And my uh, fiance just joined Oddfellows this past weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, that's Congrats. one of the reasons why I, I, I like the Oddfellows is because it's, you know, it, it is something I can do with my wife. It is something mm-hmm. she can go yeah. with me. To and Millie yeah. got to see me do ritual for the first time. Um, yeah. Um, so that brings up a, an interesting thing because I was thinking about how it is that you know, for my wife and I, it's, you know, kind of like something that we can do together. You know, it's not something that like uh, she has to uh, wait in another room with the other women while the men are done, mm-hmm. you know, with their meeting, yeah. which, you know, for that really kind of grates on people, I, I would yeah. imagine. I've heard. Um, not that I've had that experience, uh, but Again, I can certainly empathize. Now, has I'd no like- interest in going into meetings when it's just me and guys discussing the finances of an organization for an hour and a half. Sure. Uh, despite how exciting it can get sometimes. I mean, well, I'm, I'm sure that if you guys were up to, you know, some certain things now, like, for example, let's talk about the Shriners real quick, which all I know is that of those vast names of organizations that fall under something that you could label as Masonic, uh, that the Shriners are kind of an offshoot 
of some masons. And so they're the ones that have the Shriner hospitals around the United States. And we've seen these Shriner guys and their fezes and the little tiny cars and the parades rolling around in circles. And it looks like a lot of fun. Now, I don't know why, you know, if it, if it's really about having fun and it's not something that, you know, would be degrading to women, uh, they're really hurting, you know, and they've got like tons of assets in terms of running, you know, children's hospitals, uh, something like that might be ripe, you know, for women joining to uh, support a good cause rather than just to, you know, keep the gavel going. So, um, well, I can, I guess I can kind of say, I mean, I, I was a Shriner. I kind of got out of it. Um, dues were getting expensive and I, I mm -hmm. my time was split, but it's a great organization. Uh, it did start off as a fun organization. And then as they realized they had all this money just sitting there, that's when they opened the first Shriner Hospital, um, Burn Hospital in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. And then it just got bigger and bigger from there. Mm -hmm. It's the Shrine Hospital that actually invented the um, skin grafting method where they could take a postage size sample of skin and turn it into like a, a paper size sheet wow. of um, um, where before you had to do a one-to-one -one skin graft. Mm. Uh, they also invented Botox, which was not for rich mm. white ladies or rich ladies to go out and get um, their wrinkles taken out. It was mm -hmm. uh, for helping burn victims and scarification and all. Mm. But then somebody figured out, hey, look, you can get rid of wrinkles. So, so Eddie, I have this image that uh, someone shot. As a matter of fact, uh, the, 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 the very lovely uh, lady, and I, um, okay. but she is a really good photographer and she takes a lot of pictures there in uh, Nolens. And uh, she gave me permission to use this for my uh, Odd Fellows Public Relations, Odd Fellows uh, History and Mystery uh, nonprofit, which I established. So, um, and I just love this bass relief. Uh, it's just absolutely beautiful. I mean, it would, it boggles my mind how how much skill went into making this. And uh, so the great thing about it is that this is sort of what we call an emblematic thing in Odd Fellowship and also uh, in masonry, I believe as well. Uh, whenever you have this kind of a uh, piece of art that holds the emblems to which your um, fraternity uh, holds dear, then it's an emblematic display, an emblematic chart. Sometimes they're paintings and sometimes they're on silk embroidered. And so I'd like to run through some of these. Now, these are kind of before Odd Fellows went through a change in terms of their degrees and their emblems. So there was a change in the late 1800s uh, whenever the Odd Fellows in the United States completely divorced themselves from the Odd Fellows in England. And they sort of tried to go back and make things really their own. So like, for example, you see uh, the moon and the stars here um, and then the sun. So those are no longer, you know, the emblems that we uh, use, but there are plenty of them that are. So for example, you know, the hourglass with the wings, you know, representing time flying, uh, the Holy Bible, guarded hand. Um, this one here uh, is the globe, sort of like meaning like global service, no longer uh, one that we, we uh, use. Uh, and so 
Um, uh, and there's a couple of them, like for example, in, in the very bottom left, you have a lily. So those are representative of the Rebecca's and also the, the beehive in the uh, nine o'clock position. So that represents the Rebecca's also. And then up, going up from there to the 10 o'clock position, we have universal justice, which is uh, representative of the um, cantonment. And uh, a little bit to the right of that, you have the uh, sacrificial uh, altar, uh, which is a symbol uh, from the encampments. So, um, and in the middle, of course, you know, we have an representative, uh, a representation of one of our uh, missions, which is to uh, relieve the distressed, bury the dead, and educate the orphans. So, here is, you know, a representation of a mother um, caring for children. So, uh, I love this. Uh, I've got it on the background of my website for my nonprofit. I love it so much. And I'm looking forward to seeing it in person one day. And it'd be so cool if there's some way that we could get this thing completely cleaned up. And um, I look forward to seeing it. And I'm sure that uh, Eddie, you'll be able to get me there whenever we go. Oh, on. yeah. Let me know. So, we'll get you in. So let's, let's talk about some of these symbols. Now, uh, I know and, and I want to say something in general about Odd Fellowship and, and uh, something in general about Masons that I understand. So you can clear this one up for me so that I, I understand it correctly. Now, for the most part, if you were to take a look at all of the things that Odd Fellows teaches through its degrees and initiations um, in, in the different branches and, and, and all, all of the different uh, degrees, that most of what is talked about is something that's sourced from the Christian uh, Bible, not the Old Testament exclusively, uh, and you know, not from the Torah exclusively. Uh, you know, it's it's New Testament. Uh, so that means you know, combination of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, um, and we're required to have the Holy Bible open during our meetings. Now, Odd Fellows is not a uh, not does not discriminate based on religion, um, but you know our teachings are Judeo-Christian. Uh, so my understanding is because I've I've seen some things uh, from Masonry that there's some other things that have, that are kind of brought in. You know, so like for example. Masonry itself as a craft, as a skill, is something that involves certain things. Like, for example, whenever you use the expression being on the level, you know, that's one of those things that sort of, you know, is, is a Mason kind of thing. Yes. So um, what would you say are some of the influences that are brought into the different degrees and teachings of Masons besides the Judeo-Christian, you know, holy text? Can you talk about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could talk a bit about it. Um, one Ten thousand feet view. This doesn't have yeah. to be, you know, yeah. perfectly detailed kind of, you know. No, because I won't. Footnote. I won't because uh, I wouldn't be able to. Um, yeah, right. So I mean, you know, they they both um, draw on the Bible for inspiration for um, our legends and stories. Um, I would have to say the biggest difference between Odd Fellows rituals and Masonic rituals is that. We would use in Freemasonry, um, we have, we draw on characters and situations from the Bible, but a lot of our legends have been rewritten for allegorical purposes, for teaching moral 
lessons mm-hmm. and for um, reasons that we will never know because it's lost to the sands of time. Um, in some cases in our legends, um, characters are recast in different roles. They have different situations. Um, whereas in Oddfellows, we tend to stick more verbatim to the Bible, I find, um, and don't recast roles or redo situations, even though in some cases, yes, I think some of it and some of the verbiage has been made up. But I, I think that's the main difference when it comes to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, I do know that, like, for example, you know, there are some things that I've seen that are around um, astrology or astronomy, uh, also some things around math, you know, that are kind of brought in, because I know that there's like some, you know, something about Euclid. Pythagorean theorem, uh, 47th problem of Euclid, yes. Right. So, you know, uh, so then there are some other things that are, that are drawn in, Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely um, hard to, it gets to be where a lot of that stuff is brought in, but it's not, it doesn't play a significant role at times. Um, just like some of our symbols are mentioned, uh, but don't get a lot of, um, but don't don't play as much as people would think, um, I guess. So, okay. uh, I, you know, I, I want to go back to the thought of there being a, um, a uh, similar, so, but Judeo-Christian, values uh mm-hmm. obviously influenced masonry and uh and the odd fellows um but there's also a whole nother set of things that influenced the odd uh, the odd fellows and the freemasons uh which uh which goes back to uh uh hermeticism so uh which and um there was all sorts of different pseudosciences arts um uh extra religious studies uh, from the Martinists to the Rosicrucians uh, back in the Enlightenment period. And a lot of the leftovers of the Enlightenment period were, were some pretty cool symbols and stuff like that. If, if, if you can show my, um, my camera again, I can actually just kind of flash something up on the screen here. So first I wanna show you something now, now similar to what you showed us there, the base relief. Uh, this is a Masonic one, and if you notice down here, uh, you've got the, the beehive. That's just one of the overlapping mm-hmm. symbols. Oh, sorry, I showed it to the wrong side of my phone. There we go. You got the, the beehive right. and other symbols there. Now, now where they, where they all kind of got their mojo, though, is from uh, their symbolic mojo is from uh, uh, Hermeticism. This is where a lot of these really cool symbols come from, is uh, some of the uh, amalgamation of, of, of religious sciences, which happened during the, um, the, uh, uh, the Enlightenment. Really big time, yeah, big time from the, the Middle Ages, so like we're talking 1300s all the way up to the 1800s, and, uh, and then that got into... Uh, um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the term, but it, it's it sounds like philosophy, but it's a different. They they've like mixed it up a little bit, but it's um, it's a uh, uh, philosophical, um, spiritual thing, and it, and a lot of it is surprisingly Christian, which uh-huh. uh, you know I'm 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 Jewish myself, but uh, uh, I'm I'm I, I'm very interested 
to see how, you know, Albert Pike tells people to go read the Zohar <laughs> and, uh, and study Kabbalah. And it's like, well, that's interesting. Why, you know, why do you care about, uh, I would say at this point, we could almost do, uh, Joseph, you talked about other topics. We could do a whole other podcast just on, uh, Kabbalistic influences, but then again, it might take you farther away from Oddfellows because I don't think Oddfellows have much in the way of Kabbalistic influences, and I will say this, as much as we can connect the dots, and I do, I love the Kabbalah, I study it. Um, I do wonder at times if it, it's an instance of, and I have that book, Esoterica, I, I, I have it, and I've done the course, there's a Master Craftsman course on that, I completed it, it's a very good course from the Spring Council, but you have to be a Scottish Rite Mason, 32nd degree. Um, the only thing I would say is that, yep, here's your 14th degree ring. On the inside band, you have virtues, young sip, mores, non separabit. Uh, what virtue as united death cannot separate it on the inside band. The only thing I would say uh, is that I do wonder at times, keep in mind when Albert Pike came around, one of the things you learn in that book right there is that he was not close to the beginnings of Freemasonry. And he felt that because he's getting in 1850, 1860, and he's, a hundred, you know, uh, I don't know, 1717, he's way from the source and he's trying to dig deep. And Esoterica, you learn how much he's trying to dig deep. But I do feel like at times, maybe there's some retconning going on that they're finding meaning where maybe meaning wasn't there. That doesn't mean it's not meaningful now, but I don't know if the original authors truly meant for it to be a Kabbalistic system. But we are going off base here. Um, well, so this is a chart. Um, and what's funny is um, an old version of this chart. This is, I believe, I remember correctly, it's from 1890. It's a lithograph. And you can buy reproductions of this. It's called From Jerusalem to Jericho. And all the listeners here, their odd fellows, are obviously picking out all the different symbols and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Now, once again, this was um, produced by the Pettibone Company in 1890. Uh, what's funny is Etoile Polaire has an old one of these charts hanging in its lodge hall. Mm -hmm. And I was the first one I, that I know of that nobody else, everybody seems surprised when I tell them, everybody thought this is a Masonic chart. Mm -hmm. um, now you might wonder how in the heck they can think that. Now to do that, I'm going to have to share another image real quick. Um, well, the odd and now I'll be able to find it. That obvious though. If you just look well, you're at right. it, you're, you're right. I'm you gonna put to it back up again. It. Yeah, you're right. It is subtle, and this chart right here. Wow, look at that. This was produced by the Pettibone Company, I believe, 1897, about three years. So apparently, Pettibone Company, which produces nice. some fraternal uh, stuff, produced this chart. Huh. And notice, you got the altar, you got the rainbow, you got the ark. You have all these symbols and notice how similar it is. And most Masons have seen this chart. A lot of lodges love to have this chart hanging. So it should be little wonder that this chart was mistaken for this one. Look how similar it is. Mm -hmm. So if you make a passing glance and don't look at it detailed, you can easily think it's that Masonic one from darkness to light. But I immediately, if you look in the altar, you can see the triple links and an axe. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then from there, you can see Jonathan and David as you're going, the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. There's the brazen serpent next to Good Samaritan. Uh, they even got the Rebecca's off to the side, way off. It's hard to see there. 
and the degree of truth. And then you mm -hmm. get into the encampment degrees. You can't see it, but they actually write the name of the uh, golden rule. And way at the top is the patriarch militants. But this chart really shows um, just how similar, you know, it could be. Um, I don't, I'm not in the encampment uh, yet. I'm hoping to join. So I don't know if Noah makes an appearance in the later degrees and you probably shouldn't tell me because I'm not there yet. But um, <laughs> I, I think these two charts and Pettibone companies, um, Pettibone company uh, really illustrate just some of the overlap that we see. Yeah, I can I, say in the Scottish rite, the brazen serpent makes um, an appearance in the 25th degree, night of the brazen serpent. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to mention to you too, that I have this uh, really great thing, which I will put up right now so okay. it's actually the lord's prayer so here on the left you've got the lord's prayer done by masonic influences and the one on the right is the lord's prayer done with oddfellows influences and if you stand back just a little bit you cannot tell the difference they look exactly the same because they're done by the same artists i mean you guys might be familiar with um the fact that um uh the um, there's this really great Oddfellows one, which says, you know, friendship, love, and truth, and it's done by uh, Courier and Ives. So, you know, these guys were like huge, you know, uh, lithograph producers, and they, you know, sometimes were commissioned to make these kinds of um, lithographs, just like the ones that we're looking at here. And uh, you just have to look closely and see who is it that commissioned it. And sometimes it'll have the actual lithographer who made it, um, or other times it would just have the name of the company that commissioned it. So sometimes they're, this, they're actually the same parties, but depending on who wants credit for it, they'll do it the way that they want to do it. Um, but yeah, in the, in the art of lithography, there, the, the symbols are, there's so many symbols that are in common. And uh, I was kind of hoping to get like a, a, a thing done in our lodge where I would have somebody make a mural where we would, because uh, we did have two um, Mason lodges that were using our Oddfellows Lodge. We had a regular Masons and we also had uh, the Mosaic Lodge, which is, you know, uh, Prince Hall, right? I'm not too familiar with that. Uh, I think I've heard of it, um, but I'm not too familiar with Mosaic. Um, okay. Well, anyways, they're primarily, you know, uh, African-Americans. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're both, groups that meet in our lodge building. And I wanted to do something that was for Oddfellows, but also that they could enjoy. I didn't want to make it so that if they brought in guests, they, they would not feel welcome. So I wanted to identify all of the symbols that we have in common and to do something very beautiful on the walls that would you know kind of make it more appealing to everybody that was there, Oddfellows and Masons. And, you know, unfortunately that didn't pan out. They actually, uh, the, the regular Masons moved to an adjacent city. So that, uh, that never happened in time. Uh, but it would have been a pretty cool idea, I think. Uh, now, uh, one thing that people should know, uh, the Masons do not use the three links. That is something that is unique to Oddfellows. Um, most fraternities have the handshake, you know, like what you would see. Uh, on just about everything with Oddfellows uh, is the three links, FLT, Friendship, Love, and Truth, and also the Handshake, and also the All-Seeing Eye of God. Those are like the most common elements that you see with Oddfellows. And um, the All-Seeing Eye of God is very common with Masonic uh, symbolism. 
And um, I don't know to what extent the handshake as far as friendship goes is important to masonry. I don't know. Uh, but you guys would have to speak to that. And um, I don't know if you guys use the bundle of sticks representing, you know, that no, we're stronger not together. Bundle of sticks. No, okay, great. No. Well, um, I think that we've kind of covered a lot of the ground that I wanted to cover, and we also included a bit more than I was expecting. Uh, this is kind of be a bit of a long episode, but uh, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot of really interesting things that can be picked over. And yeah, Can um, I say one more thing sure. before we disappear? Um, sure. So one thing we should bring up, we talked a lot about these different Masonic degrees and higher degrees and 32nd degree. One of the biggest misconceptions, even among Freemasons, is and some some go the opposite way is that the use of the word higher is really a, a misnomer it's not higher in the terms of better it, it's more like higher in the sense of a continuation uh we like to say there's nothing really higher than the third degree we all meet on the level everybody's sort of equal now in lodge there is a hierarchical hierarchical structure hierarchical um, there, yes that's the word um you know the worship master's in charge you know uh when lodge is in session um after lodge we're we're all said to be equal and just because somebody's a 32nd or a 33rd does not make them better than a third degree mason what it indicates is they joined an independent body called the scottish rite and usually when they join that in two or three days they will be a 32nd um but it does not give them any ranks or privileges or anything like that they're just in another group is what it is. I wanted to make sure we're clear on that. That's that's actually so, a, a really good point that I wanted to jump on sure. right after he did his introduction, because a lot of people will ask who don't know anything about Freemasonry will ask me, because, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, what rank what, are you? What, yep. They always what, ask you What that. are you, what do you think I'm most proud of as a, as a Freemason? Now, and, and, and this is, this is, this is a, yeah. Well, and but specifically, I told you what office I'm in. Yeah. In my in my blue lodge, and yeah. because that's a lot of work. That's it that's is. It right. is. I'm a junior warden of, of a of a lodge. I'm a pillar officer. That's a that's a big deal. It and is. um and and then I'll have people just going, "Are you third? You're not thirty third degree though." And it's like, yeah. well, no, I'm I'm thirty second degree. You know, like yeah. if, if that means something to you, but yeah. I know it doesn't because. Uh, so yeah, knight of the the what I, the I can't remember the name of the the knight the white knight you're Templar. a white you're a white hat. knight Templar. No no no. Oh, in, oh. In, in Scottish oh, 33, right. Inspector General Honorary is uh, with white no, hats. So but you are you're a um uh, the 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 knight something. Knight something. Commander Court of Honor. Yeah, knight we were red hats. Knight yeah, Court yeah, of Commander of the yes. Court of Honor. Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah. that means that you've invested a lot of time into Scottish right because yeah I mean I I like most masons you know who uh you, you you join and then they go okay now now sign here and you get to go drink from the fire hose and get all you mm -hmm. know get the scottish right degrees too and then from there to the shrine uh and uh and so yeah it's you know that's the the that was what made him saying he's a 32nd degree special mm -hmm. than me i didn't even mention i was yeah, 32nd well, degree because it didn't they didn't yeah. you know i I just got all the degrees and pay my dues. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got a card, but it's still well, all good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, I did that because who, who inspired me to join the Masons to begin with? Albert Pike. And uh, here I get to, I get to uh, be a Scottish Rite Mason 
where where he is interred you know it's really cool yeah. so it's a very cool situation well i just have a final thought that i wanted to wrap things up with and i'll, okay. I'll let you guys you know kind of like you know, just say something real quick to wrap it up. But this this whole conversation kind of reminds me of something that back when I was in the military, that uh, it just seems so much the same thing. They have these certain levels of uh, security clearances, you know, so like everybody's heard of like, you know, top secret and stuff like that. But um, one of the things that I found out is that you don't even know what they call those other degrees, not degrees, what they call those other security clearances until you get to a certain security clearance. Once you get to that security clearance, at least you know the names of all of the other security clearances. So it sort of reminds you of the same thing. It's like, you know, you can't really know what's, you know, in the box until you're actually inside the box, because that is really how I feel uh, talking to you guys. I know that we got some questions answered and I hope that you both were very satisfied with you know your answers um, because you know you're sort of representing um, you know the Masons you know by being in this podcast and me making it public so I hope that you're 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 good with everything that you've oh, yeah. said and um, I'm sure that there will be people who will post questions so I invite you both to watch you know we'll come back yeah. and you know answer people people might have questions so um, I want to thank you guys, you know, for being a part of this. And again, you know, you're welcome to come back and be another part, a part of another podcast with me. You know, you just let me know what topic you would like to discuss, and I'll be very happy to do it with you. So, uh, Sully, thank you very much. I love the perspective that you brought, you know, uh, and Eddie, you know, it's, it's great, you know, that we got a chance to uh, chat. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot uh, over, you know, I helped to bring people into your lodge there. You know, yes, and, you did. Yes. So, you know, I'm so happy that I was we appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And good people, too. Yeah. Yes, they're good um, people. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, so again, I want to thank you guys. And, you know, if there's anything you just want to say in closing, then we'll go ahead and wrap things up. So go right ahead. Well, I don't have much to say. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, I, you know, we, I think we scratched the surface. Uh, one, one thing I can point out is you can see this relationship between Freemasonry and Odd Fellowship, just in the fact that even in, um, there's antique jewelry with, with the three links and the square and compass together, I've seen on eBay, even back then, they were producing this stuff. And to my knowledge, there's not too much, and I'm not saying it's the only one, but um, it's, it's the, the, the most common double dual um, fraternity type uh, stuff that they produce rings and whatnot that, um, so there's a relationship, a lot, there was that much dual membership between um, the two fraternities. Very good point. Also too, on uh, a lot of tombstones, where you see uh, odd fellows and you see, you know, masons. Sometimes you'll see both representations of uh, odd fellows and masons. Yeah, um, and I can say, in odd fellows rest. There is a brother who is a mason, an odd fellow, and a knight's epithius. Mm -hmm. All three, and he has all three symbols. So if you ever make it down Sully to New Orleans with Joseph, uh, you can definitely see this. It's an amazing tomb. And if I were to join one other fraternity, it would be Knights of Pythias. Let me just say that. I'm kind of jealous on you on that one. You'd have the FDR trifecta. Uh, FDR was also all three of those. Um, and, uh, you know, when it comes to seeing these amazing, beautiful symbols and coming to visit, if you guys are ever in D.C., you got to check out Congressional Cemetery. Incredible uh, stones there. Um, there's B.B. Uh, French's stone there. Uh, amazing Oddfellow and Freemason. And... Uh, uh, you've got uh, just these. Uh, we actually did a, a, a 
the the one of somebody from the historical preservation group there actually helped us get the right equipment and scrub down uh, uh, one of the Oddfellows tombstones there, which was an incredible project. Uh, and we got Oddfellows, Masons. Actually, they have an entire Masonic section, which is really cool. Um, and you want to talk about stuff that only a Mason would get. Uh, they have a statue that looks like nothing. Uh, they have a flag that has the square and compass on it. And then right next to it is just uh, an ugly giant brick. And then on top of it is a smoother one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I remember, it, you know, one of the odd fellows was like, I don't know what's going on here. Is that unfinished? And it's like, it's, it's, it's a Masonic reference. You either get it or you don't. And it's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, this is, this is one thing I want to say. So, so you've been invited up to DC uh, to, to go see the Masonic uh, section of the Congressional Cemetery uh, uh, and down to New Orleans to see all the oddfellow stuff down there. You'll never be invited to join the Freemasons. You have yes, to. Yes, that's right. That is that, one of the big differences. You're right. Right. Yeah. I actually have a, a friend of mine who's one of my best friends. I served with him in the Marines and we're still good friends. And, you know, he has told me about, you know, how great Masons is and everything, but he's never asked me. And right. so I, I do understand it's because. Right. And, That's a very good uh, point, Sully. Yes, said, um, no. it, it is a big difference. We can ask in odd fellows, but in Freemasonry, you're not supposed to ask. Right. Yeah. Someone to join us, their own free will and accord. Yeah, and 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 it's uh, it's something it's a huge misunderstanding too because mm-hmm. a lot of people yeah. throughout history they've always thought like well I would have joined the Freemasons but I never I was never invited I have to be invited. Some say they thought that, yeah they think opposite. you have to be invited. It's the exact opposite. Yes. Yeah, that's funny. All yeah. right. Well, I guess that we learned something important. If somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, would you like to join the Masons?" They're not real. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're okay, breaking guys. their obligation. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys both so much again and uh, join us for another episode. Please make sure that you subscribe and uh, join us for our next episode of the Odd Fellows Oddcast. Thank you again, guys. Thank you. Thank so you. Much.